Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Many of us may not ever experience the depth of that kind of hurt. And yet, many of us in this room, I believe, need to release those that have hurt us from their sin, but also we need to release ourselves from the unforgiveness of our hearts. As we enter this series, Summer Stories, and we talk about these parables that Jesus wants to uh, have us read and share in, together, we're talking about uh, things that are kingdom perspective. One of the things you'll notice in today's parable is that the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. What we're going to get a picture of today is what heaven is like, is the way God deals with things, is the way that the environment, when we get to heaven, there's going to be an environment up there, and it's going to be one of those environments that we get to experience in eternity. But we don't have to just wait for that moment. We can experience it now. We can experience the very nature of what that kingdom represents and what that kingdom feels like and what that kingdom can be the experience that you and I have together. And that the, the big thought for this entire series is this. Jesus desired to paint a picture of the way heaven works by telling parables. It's our, it's our role to have tender hearts, open eyes, and listening ears to understand what Jesus wants to know about how heaven works while we live on this earth. And so we're to live like heaven while we're here. We don't have to wait for it. We can experience it. We can express it. We can share it with others. And really, what makes Jesus so irresistible is the kingdom of heaven that he brings to this planet in you and me. And when he is able to live out of us, after we've experienced what he does in us, then the world gets to experience a little piece of heaven. Amen? And so I'm excited. Have you ever had in your heart that, um, or imagined kind of in your conversations, in your head, um, man, somebody that's hurt you, you know, man, I wish they would hurt just like I hurt. If you're being honest, you may have felt something like that somewhere along the road. Or you want to make them pay. You know, you want, to, you want to get back at them. You want to kind of make sure they experience what you've experienced. It, <laughs> I, I heard a comedian one time, he was talking about um, these little dolls that get wrapped up in these, in these packages. Have you ever b- bought a, children a, to- a child a toy and uh, the toy is so wrapped up in the packaging that you have a hard time getting the toy out of the package? Well, he, he suggests that it was wrapped up by some uh, person in jail who was like, if I can't get out of this place, you're not going to get out of this box. You know, and they're wrapping it up so tightly and so impossible to get it out of the box that, you know, they're kind of <laughs> taking out their revenge on this little toy. And if you've ever opened one, you've experienced the frustration of trying to go, I can't get it out of here. And you start ripping at things. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. Unforgiveness will create conversations in your head or wishes 
in your heart about the person that's hurt you. You'll go through times where you're like, oh, I just, I just want that person to, to feel what I feel. I want them to experience what I experience. I want them to go through. And even further, you, you, you kind of imagine anger or hatred or uh, whatever kind of emotion might be uh, drummed up as you think about the hurt that they've caused you. And as a result, you are the one that's feeling all these ugly feelings. You're the one going through this experience. And um, it's, it's pretty amazing what Jesus has to say to us today. The really big thought, here's the big thought for today's message, and simply this. We are to treat each other like Jesus has treated us. We are to treat each other like Jesus has treated us. Forgiveness is the key to freedom. Not just for the person that hurt you, but for us. What this young man experienced was not just saying, Dad, I forgive you. But he's freeing himself up from that anger, from that bitterness that grows as we kind of have those head conversations, those imaginations of what could happen to the person that hurt us. And that captivity that we feel when we're angry and we're bitter and we grow towards uh, that frustration towards people that have hurt us. And so uh, we live in a, in a culture today that's a cancel culture. The cancel culture is that, that cancellation of of people that you disagree with, that people that don't think like you think or say what you say or, or believe what you believe. And we want to X them out of the, 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 the communication world or the world a, a, as a whole because we don't believe that their voice or their thinking or their thoughts should be um, shared. Many times with people with unforgiveness act and feel this way. Instead of a love and grace towards people, we have a punishment and a, a kind of an Xing out of people. That's not the intention of Christianity. We're not a cancel culture. We're a grace-filled culture. We're a culture that loves people. We're a culture that cares. We're a culture that, that takes people in. We're a, I, I say often about our church, one of our value statements is we're not a, a, a museum for saints. We're a hospital for sinners. Yeah, museums just preserve but we're a hospital for sinners. We're, we're a place where people can come and you know, it, no perfect people allowed. You know, no perfect people allowed. There's no such thing. And I'm the first to admit I'm not perfect. Hi, my name's Ricardo and I'm not perfect. The context of this passage of scripture is really interesting in Matthew chapter 18. It starts with Peter asking, uh, or uh, it starts with Jesus um, working out what it means to confront sin in people's lives. And he talks about how to deal with sin in and, and Matthew chapter 18. And it's the best way to deal with sin. First, you take, uh, if you know someone who has sin in their lives and uh, it needs to be addressed, then you go to them one-on-one. -on -one. And if that doesn't work, then you go two or three-on-one. -on -one. And then if that doesn't work, then you go church-on-one. That's what the Bible says. There's a, there's a redemptive path that's intended to bring people to a redemptive end, not a, a punitive end or a punishment end, but to a redemptive end and always healing the relationship. And, and, and then Peter asked this interesting question in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. He says this, he says, Then Peter came to Jesus. So this is right after Jesus explained how to handle someone that, that's confronting, that's, that has a sin issue. Peter says, then, 
Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And some commentators believe, and some theologians believe, that that wasn't 77 times, that was seven times 70. Either way, it's a whole bunch of times. Now, what's really interesting about this idea is that the religious uh, uh, teachers of the, of the day believed that three times was the amount of times that you need to forgive someone. That was the generous way of forgiving people, is that, all right, you've forgiven them once, that's good. Forgive them twice of the same sin, that's good. Forgive them three times, that's really generous, but if you forgive them four times, you're done. You're out of my life, you don't ever belong here anymore. And so three times was the, the rule, the standard of, of the religion of the day. And, and Peter was like, well, I'll just be super generous. I'll suggest that we give him, forgive him seven times. And so he goes and, and, and says, up to seven times? And he's thinking, oh, Jesus is going to be super happy about that because I've gone beyond, beyond the rule of the day. And I've more than doubled it. I used a complete number. Seven kind of means completion, whole, and it's just kind of a cool number. And so, um, and then Jesus comes in and says, I tell you, not seven times. Peter, can you imagine? Peter's like going, <laughs> I gave him like double, plus one. I'm feeling good. And then Jesus says, no, not seven times. But 77 times. Or seven times 70, which would be 490 times, which would be like, what? 490 times I have to forgive somebody? And what Jesus was doing was using a term or a, 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 a way of communicating called hyperbole. If you don't know what hyperbole is, it means just exaggeration. Hyper words or hyperbole means just going to the extremes of things. And you'll find that out in just a minute as he uses another hyperbole in just a moment. But he's using this idea that there is, there is a never-ending forgiveness available to people who believe in God. There is a never-ending. It doesn't mean that we become um, a ridiculous or, or uh, unsafe. I mean, if you came and hit me in my face, I would like, okay, that wasn't pleasant. Let's not let that happen again. I forgive you. Let's move on. And if I come in, to give you, come in to give you a hug and you hit me again in my face, um, I'm like, okay, I love you. Uh, this is the second time. Um, and uh, we got 488 to go. <laughs> but in reality, what is supposed to happen is I'm forgiving, and, but I'm going to start putting up my guard, right? You don't have to get stupid when you forgive. That's a, I, I want to make that clear. If you're in an abusive relationship, you're, you need to be safe. But there is a forgiveness that needs to still happen all along the way. So we don't get stupid because if I come in for the third time and you hit me in the face, I'm like, oh, no more hugs for you. You know, we're just going to I'm going to love you from a distance until I feel safe again. But I'm going to forgive you for hitting me in the face. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to. 
to, to hold this bitterness in my heart against you. There's, there's this, this, this balance of, of wisdom and, and relationship and healing that has to happen in the whole process. And so Jesus says 77 times. Let's just use that number. And it's like, you just keep forgiving. Don't stop. And, and, and what's interesting is love keeps account of no wrongs. 1 Corinthians 13. So if we're really forgiving and we're loving, then we don't keep count, right? And if we put the whole Bible in context, then we just keep forgiving and loving and taking care of people. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There's a responsibility that we have to forgive. Why? Because forgiveness is part of the picture of the kingdom. The way heaven works is that God forgives. God loves. God extends his forgiveness. What do do we sing? We sing reckless love. And we'll talk about the lost sheep in the future, but uh, the idea of the farmer going after one, leaving 99 behind, most business people would say, I can lose 1%. And they would stay with the 99. Reckless is going after the one because the one is valuable. That's reckless love. That's wonderful love. That's relentless love. That's amazing love. That's the kind of love that Jesus expresses to us. And we have to remember to always forgive. We have a responsibility to love people. Repeated forgiveness creates a habit of forgiveness. That's what really Jesus wants us to do. Is after you, you, you've forgiven several times and you keep forgiving and you see the fruit of forgiveness that turns a relationship into love, then it becomes a habit. And it also frees us up. Let's watch this. Verse 23. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. Remember that statement because most of the parables have this statement ahead of it. And Jesus is simply saying, this is the way things happen in heaven. This is the way life is supposed to happen. If sin wasn't involved, there, we would not have these problems. And, and, but this is what happens in heaven. Heaven is like, and then he goes on to say, a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So first of all, he's saying this, is that a king, God, wants to settle his accounts with all of us. He wants to settle up. And then he goes, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now this is where the hyperbole begins. This is where the exaggeration begins. Because 10,000 bags of gold, in today's world, some theologians estimate between $2.5 billion and $6 billion worth of, of money. Now, first of all, the fact that he owes anybody that would be crazy. And, and, and so this is a hyperbole. This guy owes so much that there's no way he could ever pay it back. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Which was another hyperbole because this guy, there's no way. Even if he sold his entire family, if he sold everything... This debt could still not be paid. And the intention of the day was that it was not uncommon that if you did owe somebody and couldn't pay them back, they could sell you into servitude 
into slavery and, then, and your family as well. And they could take all your belongings and they would make you stay in servitude until you paid back what you owed. And that was the reality of that day. And then there was a thing called the year of Jubilee where everybody who's in servitude could be released. And so, but that's 50 years away. And so that, that's, that's a, long, a long ways away. So Jesus is using hyperbole to make the sin of this man clear. We can't pay it back. And, and one of the things that's so powerful in, in understanding this is that you and I cannot do so much to earn God's forgiveness. There's nothing we can do. Our debt is beyond our ability to pay. Now, that's good and that's bad. Because if we don't receive God's forgiveness, then that debt will never be, that, that debt doesn't go away. But if we receive his forgiveness, it goes away. It goes away. It's amazing. It's beautiful. But what happens is, right now, this servant goes from uh, a person who owes the master a whole lot of money to a debtor or a servant or a slave. And he has an impossible debt to pay. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. <laughs> First of all, this servant had no intention of paying this debt back. He was just begging. This servant had every bit of knowledge in his head that there is no way that he could pay this back. Some of us even have this perspective about our faith and about our religion and about our relationship with God. God, if you just give me a chance, I will do enough good to earn my way to heaven. And God is saying, that's not the way this works. You can't do enough good to pay the debt that's owed for your sin. That's the example he's trying to set here. And this servant is going, God, if you will just... And this is what I don't like about religious churches, that churches that load up people with so much uh, burden. You, know, you got to wear this. You got to look like that. You got to talk like this. You got you to read this much scripture every day. You got to pray these this very minutes every day. And if you don't do any of that just right, and you don't do it all just perfect, then you don't fit in this body. Well, that is heresy. That is religion. It's not relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. God has set us free. Free to love him. Free to worship him. Now, can we go deeper in our relationship the more we read the word? Absolutely. Can we go deeper in our relationship as we pray more and we spend more time with him? Can we go deeper in relationship and understand the faith experience with God as we give our whole lives to him? Absolutely. But if there's a condition upon your salvation that a man puts on it, that's heresy. And you should never follow that path. We should all follow Jesus with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole spirit, everything we've got. And, and it's because of a relationship, not a religion. And that's the way... <clears throat> that's the way the church works. That's the way God works. That's the way the kingdom works. And so at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. And this, this guy, the, the king, had to be already patient with him because he owed so much. 
and I will pay back everything. This guy had no understanding of the fact that he could not pay it back. And what did the servant's master do? He took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Canceled the debt. This is the beauty of what God has done in our lives. This is the beauty of what happened on the cross when Jesus died on the cross. This is the beauty of the moment when Jesus said it is finished. It was a work that was complete, that was done, that was, uh, if we accept it, we receive that forgiveness. We don't pay a penny to, earn, to, to experience the forgiveness that God has given us. I love the song that said he, he paid a debt he did not owe. We owe a debt we could not pay. And he paid the debt. Amazing. Amazing grace. We're going to sing that in just a few minutes. That amazing grace. The master paid a debt far beyond what we could ever, what this man could ever pay back. He canceled it. What's, what's, what's beautiful about a, a, a king or a master that forgives a billion or more dollars is that that king, has, he's the only one that has the ability to do that. There's only one God in the universe that can, that can pay the price of our sin. It's the God that has everything at his fingertips, that, that everything he holds in his hand. That's the only God that can do that, and this master forgives everything. Then at verse 28, but when that ser servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Most theologians believe that was about $10,000. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Just get the visual. He was just forgiven billions. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. He's got this guy around the neck. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him and said the very same words. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. <laughs> this guy did not repent. This guy did not understand the value of what was ju just happened in his life. And he was a, a person who said, I am going to hold you accountable for the debt that you owe me. This guy was so bitter and angry inside. He was so upset about what this guy owed him that he had no concept of what he had just been forgiven. And this happens to many of us because we get so caught up in the unforgiveness that we have in our heart that we don't know the forgiveness that we've experienced that happened to us on the cross. Church, we have the opportunity to be completely free. Why? Because we've been forgiven the billions. Why are we holding someone accountable for the thousands? That's the reality of what's going on here is that this guy has lost perspective. He doesn't understand how the kingdom works. He doesn't understand the kingdom perspective, the God perspective that says, I forgive everyone no matter what they owe. No matter how deep their sin has gone, no matter how big the, 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 the debt is that they owe, I will forgive. That's the kind of God we serve. A lot of people had a problem with um, Ted Bundy. I don't know if you remember Ted Bundy. He was the serial killer that killed 
I don't know how many people, just a whole bunch of them. And then James Dobson said he had a moment with Ted Bundy that led him to the Lord. And many people couldn't have any concept. And I, I don't honestly have a concept of God's forgiveness in this context. But I do believe that no matter how deep the sin of Ted Bundy was and how many people he took the lives of, that at any point that Ted Bundy decided to say, Jesus, please take my life, forgive me of my sin, it was at, at that point that forgiveness was granted. That's hard. That's hard. It's hard to imagine the, the, the people that have hurt you, the people that have abused you, the people that have taken advantage of you, the people that have done things to you to cause hurt and ache and pain and then forgive them and understand that God has forgiven them. It's hard, but it's a reality. And if we're not in touch with what's been forgiven us, then it will be easy to not forgive others. But if we are in touch with what God has forgiven us, then it would be easy, not easy, but possible to forgive others. And I believe that's where God wants us to be. That's the kind of heaven we can experience today. Verse 30 says, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt, which he was capable of paying. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. So he, he didn't forgive the guy. He threw the guy into jail and, and said, um, you, you're going to be there until you pay this debt back. Verse 32, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you. Let's, let's hear it. Let's let those words ring in our ears. Let's let those words ring in our hearts. Because if we don't embrace this statement, then we miss this entire message. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger. There's one thing that will tick God off. It's, it's doing what he did to forgive us of our sins and then holding it against others. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Interesting uh, background issues here. There, there, there were jailers in those days that in, in these settings that were just debt collectors. They were like the Guido Sarducci's of... Um, of today's world. They were like the collectors. I'm going to break your legs. I'll take an ear, then I'll take the other ear, then I'll take a finger until you pay me back. Not bad, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> That's where these jailers, these, these jailers were in there and they were like, I'm going to break your legs. And, and you know, so they, they would do everything to just take away from these people all that they could to pay the master back. And God is saying, I'm going to, if, if you won't forgive others because I have forgiven you so much and you're holding it against others, then I'm going to, I'm going to put you in a position where you're not going to enjoy life. 
Now, I don't understand exactly how this works, so I'm just going to preach the bottom line truth here. That if your life is not working out, and you have unforgiveness in your heart, but you've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus in your life, this passage of Scripture seems to tell us that we are not going to enjoy the rest of our lives. That God isn't going to bless that. That one thing that ticks God off is the idea that we would be forgiven of our sin, but we would hold the sins of others against them. And even wish or make them pay. I don't understand how all this works. But that's what this scripture is saying. So I'm obligated to tell the truth. I want to live in the context of blessing. I don't want to live in the context of having jailers or torturers or Guido. I'm going to break your leg. I don't want that in my life. I don't want that piece of of anger and bitterness. I don't want people in my life that are there just to extract my emotional hurt, if not my my physical well-being. I don't want those people in my life. I want unforgiveness to, to leave my life so that I can live a life of freedom. That's the point of this passage. That's the way heaven works, is that if we will get the perspective that God has set us free from a, a life of sin and that we are promised an eternal life in destiny with him in a heaven that has no hurt, that has no pain, that we've been forgiven that from, uh, of our sin to the extent that we could have never paid for it. But he has given us life and we are unwilling to give life to others. That ticks God off. That's what this passage is saying. And that will cause us to be a prisoner rather than to be set free. We have the choice. We have the privilege. We have the blessing of knowing that we can be set free if we will just let those that have hurt us be set free as well. And be released from that, 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 that uh, forgiveness that, or unforgiveness that we have towards them. As soon as we release that, there's two freedoms that happen. One, it's for them, and two, it's for us. And then God pours his blessing on that. Why? Because that's the way heaven works. That's the way God has forgiven us. Why can't we forgive others the same way? The world's worst prison is the prison of an unforgiving heart. The world's worst prison. Hear it. It's it's described in scripture. If we want to put ourselves in that place of torture, if we want to put ourselves in that place of of pain and agony, then just hold on to that unforgiveness. Hold on to it because what's going to happen is you've experienced that forgiveness, but you're going to put yourself in a setting in which you're not making God happy. And God's going to allow you to not experience the blessings of, of him and this world. I, don't, I can't spell out exactly how all of that's going to work because that's between God and you. But I can just tell you this, that I know that this parable is all about you and me forgiving others because he has forgiven us. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Mic drop right there, right? I mean, boom. 
This is how my heavenly Father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Let it go. Let the, let the unforgiveness go. Let, release that person from your mind that I wish they would, I wish they would get, I wish they would experience, I wish they would. Let that stuff go because that's your captivity. That's not theirs. And when we release it, we're set free. And we will experience the beauties of forgiveness and the blessing of knowing that we are in freedom and that we are not in this jail getting tortured by Guido. I don't want to be there. Amen? Come on, we want to be set free. We are set free. And there's no reason to live in any other context than the context of freedom. Ephesians 4, 32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, offering and sacrifice to God. So we are to love like we've been loved. We are to forgive like we've been forgiven. And we are to give like we've been given to. And we are to just express God's love. That's the way of the kingdom. That's the way God wants us to live and to, to experience. And what I believe, and we're going to sing a song in just a moment, that I believe is going to just penetrate into our hearts. And then I'm going to come back at the end of this song, and we're going to pray. This song is just amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found. Was blind, but now I see. And then we sing this little chorus. The chains are gone. The chains are gone. Today, what I'm praying, what I believe God has put on my heart this entire week is that there would be people today set free, that we would be released from that jail of unforgiveness, that prison where our hearts have been held captive because we've been holding it against others. We've been holding it against other people. And it, again, it doesn't mean we have to go be stupid with them again and, and let them punch us in the face again or hurt us again. But it does mean that we have to release them and love them. And when we do that, we are set free. So we're going to sing, and then I'm going to come right back, and I'm going to challenge you with the very end, and we will pray together and see God do some special things. Amazing grace.
should we forgive because we'll be at peace with each other like heaven is because love will flow freely like it does in heaven issues are settled quickly like heaven bitterness has no root like heaven the environment is irresistible like heaven Jesus gets all the attention like heaven that's the way forgiveness works it creates an irresistible environment I mean, if we could just give this world a taste of heaven, this world would come running to Jesus today. Come on. And the only way that's going to happen is if you and I live it out. The only way that it's going to happen is if you and I live like heaven. That's why these parables exist. That's why Jesus said heaven is like, is to give us a heavenly perspective of how to live. So I want to pray with you right now because there are people in this room that are being held captive by that unforgiveness. Whether you're in the balcony, whether you're here, whether you're online, it does not matter. God wants to set you free from your unforgiveness. It's not about what other people did to you. It's about what you're holding inside. It's about what you're holding on to. It's, it's about what you, you want to make them pay. It's about the, that pain and that agony that you live out and you remember every day, those, thing, those things that you talk about in your head, going, I wish they would, I wish they would get it, I wish they would pay back, I wish someone would run them over with the car. Those are ugly thoughts, by the way. Don't get used to those thoughts. Those don't belong there in the Christian mind. What we wish for them is that God would get a hold of their hearts and give them the grace that we've experienced, that they would experience that same grace. Amen? So I want to pray with you right now. There are people that God spoke to you right from the very beginning. He said, man, I got to release this. I got to let this go. Maybe you need to go home and send a note to this person and say, I I've harbored hurt against you for long. Maybe it's like this guy on the video that just little notes that say, here's, here's what hurt me, but 
at the end of the day, I love you, I forgive you, and I release you from the hurt that I've experienced. And at that point, you release yourself. However God chooses to lead you to do that, that's up to you. But right now, you can just say, God, I choose to forgive those that have hurt me. And I want to pray with you right now. God, I pray for those that are in these seats right now that have been held captive, that have been experiencing the the ugliness of unforgiveness in their heart. And Lord, we've been uh, struggling and going through these anger thoughts and going through these bitter thoughts. And Lord, we want to release ourselves. We want to release them from those thoughts. And we want to give freedom to our hearts, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. So I pray for every heart that's held captive with unforgiveness, that it be released this moment in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I pray that each person here, Lord, would just be able to express that forgiveness to those that have hurt them. And God, that you will set everyone free and that we would experience that slice of heaven that you want us to experience. That joy, that freedom, that peace, that love that can flow freely now. Lord, I pray that that all happen right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you and I praise you for it. God, be glorified in our hearts. Be exalted in our actions. And may people see Jesus. May people see that slice of heaven that you want them to see today. And last but most importantly, if you're here today and you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have Jesus in your life and you want to accept his forgiveness of your sin, the sin that you can't pay for, the sin that you can't do enough good to make right, the beauty of it is he died on a cross. And that cross is the one thing that will will offer forgiveness for your sins. He shed his blood, his body was broken, and he expressed that forgiveness to you today. And if you're here and you would like to accept Jesus Christ, all you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead, and the Bible tells us you will be saved. So if that's you, I just want you right now to repeat this prayer after me. You don't have to repeat it out loud. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept the work you did on the cross. I accept your forgiveness, and today I am free from the burden of sin. And I believe that you were raised from the dead, and that today I have the promise of eternal life. And I believe that in faith and know that I will spend eternity with you, and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, here's what you got to do. You got to tell somebody, you got to fill out a connection card. Let us know that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can do that online as well. Just hit connect and let us know. But God has saved you, redeemed you. You're now part of the family of God. And now you can forgive others the same way you've just been forgiven. Amen? Amen. God, we just give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. and believe that you have done amazing things today to set us all free from unforgiveness. We give you all the glory and praise. Give us a great week and help us share this slice of heaven with the world out there today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.